I'm Paul Lancor with Podtech.net. Sandeep Vishnu is a managing director with Bearing Point, and he's here with me today. Thank you for joining me, Sandeep. Happy to be here. And today we're going to talk about risk strategies, and there is no way we can do that without first taking a look at the turmoil in the financial services space in recent weeks. And I'm wondering if you could just give us a capsule review of what is going on right now. To what would you attribute all of this turmoil? There's probably a confluence of events that have led to where we are today. If you think back, what really began as a very contained subprime crisis has spilled over into almost all segments of the financial services industry. One type of loan after the other started having a domino effect. One subprime started falling. We had an all-day crisis. We had a jumbo residential mortgage loan crisis. We had indirect autos, CMBs, auction rates. And then fundamentally, there was a crisis of confidence in the market. So it is really a small contagion that has spread across the industry, in large part, I feel, because there was a fundamental lack of risk transparency and probably a breakdown, at least partial, if not even more, of risk governance. And I'll be happy to elaborate on that in just a minute. But these, I think, are the two most important things that we will address. What is the transparency needed? So did people have data? Did they have actionable information? So fundamentally, that lack of adequate actionable data, limited transparency, even when data were theoretically available. So there might be models that were based on incomplete and invalid assumptions, For example, in the mortgage industry, there were many housing models that looked at 10 years of trailing data. Well, if you look at the last 10 years, the housing market has continued to appreciate in value. So any models that were done based on that data suggested that home prices will always rise, a fundamentally flawed assumption. Had they looked at a slightly longer time horizon, 20, 30, 40 years, you know, hindsight, we do have the benefit of having amazing intuition, but 20, 30, 40 years would have given you a more reasonable estimate so that decisions would then be more fact-based rather than intuitive. Well, you already touched on this a bit in terms of just having better data and in terms of greater transparency. What are the big lessons that CROs and risk execs should be taking away from all of this? So there's probably multiple levels of learning that happen. Today, risk execs, CROs, and almost all financial industry executives are focused on how do they really stem the bleeding. The losses are mounting. There seems to be no end in sight. Valuations are plummeting. There is little confidence in the market on what the portfolio valuation and size is. So fundamentally... What risk execs have to work on is how do we stop this contagion from spreading? There are broader lessons to be learned for the financial services industry. Let's just first focus on what financial institutions should take away from it. So we already touched on the data. Data is important, but it's always an issue. Most organizations struggle with the data challenge. But fundamentally, 
it is important for people to have the underlying fact basis for decision-making that was not readily available to them. Second, and in some ways more importantly, there needs to be a culture that is more risk-sensitive so that risk governance takes on a more important role than it has, especially in the last few years. Risk is something that people pay less attention to when times are good, but several risk managers had already alerted their institutions to the potential imbalance in their portfolios, to the potential toxicity. One example that comes to mind is Goldman Sachs. They too have been affected by this crisis, but not nearly to the same extent as their peers and competitors. And if you examine the Goldman situation carefully, what they did was they put risk managers and risk governance above the trading positions so that they could unwind, they could hedge, whereas other institutions did not do so. So risk governance is very important in a financial institution's ability to manage its growth, to manage its valuations, to manage its perception in the market. So maybe the main lesson to be learned from all of this is to put a greater emphasis on an organization's risk strategy. As you also say right now, in a lot of organizations, it's just about stopping the bleeding. But once that is done, how can you do that? How can CROs and risk executives raise the level of the risk management strategy within their organization moving forward specifically? Well, this is a trickier question because it comes down to establishing a risk-based culture. Now, culture is not something that can be established by fiat. It is something that happens over time. Culture itself is a very complex term. The way I like to think of it, it's a set of shared values. So until you instill a culture where people are almost maniacally focused on avoiding losses, and fundamentally what risk is, is the ability to take on a position knowing that there might be expected loss, but hoping that the upside benefit would far exceed any potential downside losses. So first and foremost, there needs to be a senior management emphasis that says, we should not be taking losses or any undue losses. That will fundamentally transform what positions, banks, and other financial institutions take, how they behave with certain asset classes, how they behave with certain counterparties. The mortgage crisis almost defies imagination. Loans were made based on information that was at least factually incorrect, if not willfully misrepresented. So what you had were people who were taking on debt that they were almost never going to be able to pay. And there is definite culpability for financial institutions in promoting this behavior. So fundamentally, risk has to establish the parameters within which an organization should function. They should put in place the underlying mechanisms so that data, and I know we've talked about this, data flows to the people that need to have it so that decisions are fact-based. Then the 
infrastructure needs to be put in place so that those decisions can be reviewed, vetted, validated, and unwound if they were deemed not to be accurate. So what risk managers or CROs in particular have to do is they have to focus on getting the data together, running the scenarios. Risk is all about scenarios in some way. What could go wrong? What happens on the margins? These are things that financial institutions struggle with. And a lot of that has to do with their inability to examine their portfolio in a frequent enough and a timely enough manner and do the kind of ad hoc analyses that they would need to do so that they can identify and hopefully avoid any toxicity that might be resident in their underlying asset base. So all of this speaks to quite a bit of change that's going to have to take place within a lot of these organizations. Outside of the organization, no doubt there will be change as well. And I'm wondering if you could speak to the role that regulatory oversight played in all of what we're dealing with now. And looking forward, how is that responsibility of the regulators going to change? Well, regulatory oversight has unfortunately come up extremely short in this crisis. It has become clear that the regulators were either not in a position to make changes or understand the extent of what was going on, or they did not examine it thoroughly enough, or there might have been structural impediments. It is clear, however, that across the board, no matter which agency you're dealing with, there was a failure of supervision. There should have been far greater emphasis placed by regulators on what information can banks and financial institutions provide to give confidence that their investments, their positions are not going to lead to great losses that might have system-wide effects. So there is things that regulators could have done on a micro level for each financial institution as part of the examination process which they probably did not do, and I am not privy to what the regulators did for a given institution, but clearly they let certain institutions take on positions that proved to be untenable. I mean, look at what happened at Countrywide, for example. What was once the largest mortgage player was reduced to a very, very small, almost a a meager player in the overall market. And that was fundamentally because of the positions and the kinds of loans that Countrywide made. Now, what did begin with them as initially a credit crisis probably spilled into a confidence crisis and then created some level of risk, including reputation risk, that had a domino effect. So at the micro level, the regulators have to expand either frequency or accuracy or the degree of detail, their overall examination process. At the macro level, there are definite structural changes that need to be made. And fundamentally, what needs to happen there is when assets are bundled and then traded and leveraged, the underlying fact bases, the data behind those assets gets obfuscated. So the market is almost operating in the dark. And regulators should 
put in place certain structural elements to avoid this kind of lack of transparency into what is being traded, what is what positions are being held across the financial services industry. Well, Sandeep, with regard to risk strategies, as we wrap up here, is there anything else you want to leave with our audience? I would reiterate two points and probably elaborate on a third. So fundamentally, the data challenge has to be met head-on. It's going to be hard. It's going to be time-consuming, but it cannot be avoided. If we are to avoid events like this or at least minimize events like the current crisis in the future, that data challenge has to be met across the industry. Second, the governance challenge has to be met. Now, this is one that will require some level of agreement among senior-level executives, among regulators, and maybe even other market players, like the investment community, like the financial analysts. To that end, reporting is probably going to emerge as being an even greater area of focus so that there is widespread availability of information for all interested stakeholders. Now, reporting is something that happens regularly, but it probably was not happening at the level of granularity that it needed to happen. It was probably not happening with the frequency. And certainly, the scenarios that we talked about, the analytics and scenarios that should also go as part of an overall reporting package, were not emphasized nearly enough. So what I'd like to leave people with is, while there has been a massive financial crisis, and it might seem like we are in a tailspin today, there are certain elements that, if put in place, should help financial institutions avoid this kind of event in the future. Well, that's a great note to leave it on. Thank you very much for taking time out today and speaking with us, Sandeep. Thank you, Paul. Sandeep Vishnu is a managing director with Bearing Point.